Hello, hello. This is Kathy Colas Audiobooks, and today we have episode 8 of The Alpha by E.J. Findorf. Angel meets with Courtney Black's parents and then tries to get some more information from her roommate and her place of employment. Here we go. Angel arrived at headquarters expecting to further discuss the conversation they had with Eddie Fellows, but instead found an older couple being escorted to Bonnet's posthumous desk. She detoured to the captain's office with an inquisitive look, tilting her head at the visitors. Who's that? Morning, Angel. That's Mr. and Mrs. Black. Their daughter Courtney hasn't been heard from going on two days. She fits his type. Damn. They filled out the missing persons report with the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office, and you can understand why they sent them here, too. Is it our case or theirs? Both. They'll treat her as a missing person. You'll treat her as the next victim. Got it. I told the Blacks not to assume it's him. Here's a copy of the report. Mercier handed her laser copies sitting in his printer. We'll meet you in the war room after. Angel turned for the desk. When the hand-holding couple noticed, they perked up. Mr. and Mrs. Black, I'm Agent Blondo with the FBI, but call me Angel. Can I offer you some coffee? No, thank you, Mr. Black said. Our daughter Courtney is missing, and she has hazel eyes. The man placed a picture of an attractive young woman's face on the desk. Usually she has darker hair, but she dyes it lighter. Give me a moment, please. Angel glanced over the specifics of the JP report. Courtney was 25 years old, the oldest one yet, but she had a very youthful appearance. Long, light brown hair framed her face, and Roman's deal-breaking requirement hazel eyes. She stood at five foot nine, 115 pounds. She found a pen and located a new notepad in the drawer for possible victim number six. I know you filled out the report last evening, but I'd like to hear your account again. When was the last time you spoke with Courtney? Mrs. Black said, she called me the day before yesterday in the evening. She said she'd be she told me she'd be she told me she'd be stopping by for supper. Her face was pasty, clean of makeup. She never called to cancel. Her phone goes to voicemail right away, and her roommate hasn't heard from her since yesterday morning. The report says her cell and GPS is off. Is there a place she might go and spend the night? A friend that had a party out of town, like LSU? They both shook their heads. She works, and her roommate would have known. Angel went through a series of standard questions on Courtney's routines, likes, and friends. She finally got to her work. What about Winner's Bayou Casino? She never showed, Mr. Black said. She works in the corporate office, not as a blackjack dealer or anything. Angel started to wrap it up. 
We'll pull her phone records and see if we can't put together a timeline of her activities. Our daughter could be flighty, but she's not promiscuous, Mr. Black said. If she was seeing someone, we'd know. I have that noted. One more thing. Angel spread six pictures of different white males that Mercier had given each member of the task force. Eddie Fellows was in the array. You ever see any of these men before? Mr. Black raised his glasses as if he'd get a better look. He answered for both of them. No, you had those ready. Are they suspects? I can't answer that because sometimes we need to know how reliable witnesses are. You wanted to see if we'd point someone out that wasn't a suspect, he accused. Everything we do is to help find your daughter, Mr. Black. I know. I'm sorry. The worst thing you can do is let your imagination run wild, and assuming Courtney was taken by the blindfold killer could only harm the investigation by wasting time if that's not the case. We don't pick the destination, but let the evidence lead us there. You understand? JP told us to talk to you. Why else would the Jefferson Parish Police do that? Because I'm putting her on my radar. But JP will be spearheading the search. You have two teams here looking for your daughter. That's a good thing. The couple nodded reluctantly. JP will contact you after I speak with Sheriff Clancy. I'm sure they'll want to let the press put her picture out there and arrange for a public plea. If you're up for it, Angel continued when they both nodded. Here's my card. Call me if you hear anything or, or think of anything new. The war room discussion had already been underway when Angel arrived. After discussing the peculiars of the fellow's visit, they focused on finding the latest possible victim. Angel eventually broke away to interview the roommate. Ramsey was relegated to working with public affairs. They coordinated with news outlets about Courtney Black's disappearance. It was classified as a missing persons case, and any connection to the blindfold killer had to be controlled, if not denied. Kyle said he'd get his colleagues at Quantico on Zoom and comb over the entire case at the field office. Angel's mind drifted to possibly working with Kyle in Virginia. It could be a way to shed her old skin. But every agent wanted the behavioral analysis unit, and the wait would be years. Those transfers don't just happen overnight. She had to admit it would be exciting. Angel sat at the tiny kitchen table with Rachel Morris and two iced teas and faded Mardi Gras cups. The apartment was not much different than hers, except this one seemed flimsy, with thin walls and cheap trim. The fidgeting young woman wore sweatpants and a ragged Tulane shirt. Her blonde ponytail whipped around as she scooted her chair close enough to see bloodshot eyes. Rachel's voice was soft and feminine. She went to the store because I drank all the milk. Something as simple as that. You can't blame yourself. Everyone does that. I told her to wear sunglasses. We can't assume at this point. Can't help it, she squeaked. So she's not dating anyone. Is there anyone in the building that pays her more attention than they should? 
She swallowed, clearing her throat. No, we know our neighbors. We say hi to each other. It's possible one of them might have seen something. What can you tell me about her job? She works for Winner's Bayou Casino in budgeting or something like accounting. She doesn't talk much about it because she considers it boring. She's always scared she's going to be fired. Why? There's a high turnaround in the casino business, but she says it's incestuous. Everyone knows each other from job hopping, and eventually, if you burn bridges, you have to move out of state if you want to stay in gaming. She ever mention anyone at work that has a serious problem with her? No, she likes her job for the most part. Life hasn't beat her down yet. She pushed her hair behind her ear. You sound cynical. My head's not in the clouds like most of my generation. My parents spoiled me until their divorce when I was 17. I decided to live on my own without their help. Her eyes grew big. Wake up, call. I let them help with bills now. Well, it's difficult, even with help. Courtney has her shit together. I mean, a bit trusting. I told her she has to adjust her creep radar. Anyone cyber-stalking her? Any new online friends she mentioned? No, she was cyber-bullied in high school, so she keeps her online presence at a minimum. Here's a few pictures from our color printer. Rachel reached behind her to the kitchen counter. This'll help. After more questions about her daily routine, she pulled out wallet-sized pictures of the same six men that Courtney's parents had seen. Recognize any of these guys? What is this, like a lineup? Not officially. It's only effective if you're positive. If you think someone looks familiar, just say so. She flipped through each one. No one. Sorry. Can I take a look at her bedroom? Rachel stood and motioned to the hallway. It's on the right. It took Angel just moments to learn that Courtney was neat, organized, and normal. She liked horses, playing with her young niece, and collecting makeup. There weren't any phone numbers jotted on scraps of paper or anything that looked out of place. She came out of the room and placed her card in Rachel's hand. I may need to have our forensics team come back, so please don't disturb anything. Okay. Tears collected in her eyes. Angel wanted to comfort her but kept her distance. Don't drive yourself crazy. Stay positive. Even though JP were here, I'm going to send some uniformed officers to talk to your neighbors. Spend a couple of days with your parents or a friend if you don't feel safe. Call me if you think of anything. Angel's day would end at the Winner's Bayou corporate offices, located on Canal Street in the Central Business District. The street was one of the widest in America, having three traffic lanes in each direction and two streetcar tracks in the middle. Although bustling during business hours, it's not somewhere you want to venture on foot late at night. Once inside the renovated building, Angel was escorted to Courtney's floor by the helpful human resources lady. It was a typical quiet office space with cubicles in the center and walled-off offices along the outer perimeter. She traversed the maze from department to department, 
desk to desk, asking the same questions about Courtney and getting the same answers. They knew of her and generally liked her, but none were close enough for intimate details. Angel didn't expect the killer to work at the same place as one of his victims, but it would be the one thing you didn't check that ended up being the final puzzle piece. Lastly, Angel sat across from the print buyer, Tilly Delacroix, in her small and cluttered office. Miss Delacroix was a light-skinned black woman with blonde highlights in her hair. She dressed business casual, and her expression exuded warmth. But Angel could sense she knew how to give orders. The lady started accusatorially. We were waiting for someone to start looking into Courtney's disappearance. Angel held her small notepad. We've been investigating since her parents filed the report. These things take time to speak to all parties involved. I'm sorry. We're all a little on edge. She has hazel eyes, you know. We can't assume anything. So you're the print buyer for Winner's Bayou Casino? Canal Street location only, yes. And Courtney works under you? Angel wrote as she spoke. Yes, she deals mainly with the designers and budget. Anyone here ever have a problem with Courtney? Not at all. She looked through her door with suspicion. That I'm aware of, anyway. Boyfriends? Ex-boyfriends? Has she been acting any differently in the last few days you saw her? No, she's always pleasant. More so when she's seeing someone. Tilly leaned back. You can see that optimism when she's met someone new. Angel placed the six pictures, including Eddie Fellows, on her desk. Recognize any of these men? Tilly took her time, much like she might look for mistakes on print samples. Not a one. Angel collected them. I take it the gaming industry does background checks on your employees? Very thorough. Maybe someone fell through the cracks. Anyone from outside the company come through your office lately? Anyone that might have looked funny or gave you a weird vibe? She thought about it. No, no one comes back here except for salespeople. Can you get me a list of current printers as well as potential printers you're considering and their point of contact? Sure. Should we be worried about our printers? She moved slowly, waiting for an answer. We're looking under every rock, as you would expect us to. Printers need a special license to quote for gaming establishments, so it's a small list. There's only a handful to choose from. Ninety percent of our work goes to Deep South Printing. We've been using them for years. This place, she pulled out a thick packet, just got their license four months ago. Guy's business card is in there. Wayne something. This guy was just here the day before Courtney disappeared. Angel opened the folder for on-point printing. Her fingernail bent the edge of the business card as she slid it out. Wayne Holt? Her breath caught. Maggie's husband. Tilly typed on her keyboard for a moment, and then her Hewlett-Packard printer came to life. She handed the laser to Angel. Here's the three printers we've used in the past two years. Like I said, On Point is the only printer that physically came into the office for a meeting in the last three months or so. This Wayne guy here, he's been bringing a loaf of banana nut bread every month since getting their license. 
I'm not even sure he met Courtney. Does that banana bread work? Doesn't hurt. She smiled for the first time. But if we become unhappy with a printer, or they can't make a deadline, then they'll get a shot at a print run. Can you show me her workstation? Of course. Thoughts of Wayne's involvement floated in Angel's mind. For a killer that doesn't make mistakes, leaving your business card and going after Courtney would be stupid. He had been here at least four times as well. Wayne was at that coffee shop when Roman called, too. Unless Roman really did have a friend. It was a stretch. What would be her assessment if all things were equal? Any agent would take his card and question the man for the record. He'd give a statement, and that would be that. However, she did know him. He also asked about the investigation, like Kyle mentioned. Damn. And there you have it. Don't forget to join me on Monday for Episode 9 of The Alpha by E.J. Fendorf. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolas at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you on Monday.